Well, good morning. morning. It's uh, good to be back in Charlottesville. I think my wife and I left town four weeks ago, about four weeks ago. So it's good to be back. We're grateful to see everybody. Um, Usually I get up to speak around 11.20. It's 10.50. So that means I have 70 minutes. No, that's not true. Uh, I'm going to do the sermonian today, so it'll be kind of a smaller sermon, and then we'll take the bread and the juice uh, together as we close out service. Wanted to have a shorter service today, so that people can stick around, do the water park with the kids, play some games, or you know, it's a great opportunity just to go meet people and evangelize, and or at least just build friendships. So uh, Charlottesville is cool for that sort of thing. So we want to take that opportunity, or at least uh, talk to each other and build build family, uh, as it is our theme this year together as we end service a little early. Hopefully we've had some time to build family the last few weeks. We've had a house church and midweek canceled last Wednesday. Uh, uh, but it's good to be back. Uh, we're going to continue in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 23. Uh, I don't want to get into all of our escapades over the last few weeks, but it's been pretty wild for us. We, we, uh, we were on the runway to India uh, when I got the text that my grandmother had died. So we uh, were making plans. I got internet on the flight to make plans to turn around in Germany. But uh, we didn't know when the funeral was going to be. So we, we ended up getting, praise God, three days in India. It wasn't the two weeks we had hoped for or planned. Um, and we'll talk more about that, my wife and I, and what God did do in three days. Um, but uh, we were grateful to have three days uh, to connect there with the folks in India. We turned around, went to a funeral uh, in Phoenix. We actually went around the world in a few days, so um, went the other way, Hong Kong to uh, Arizona. It was funny, we were in Arizona, and and Jenny was texting somebody back home in Virginia, and she goes, what what day is it in Virginia? And I said, I think it's just a few hours ahead. Uh, I don't think it's a different day, but you were just kind of like, where are we, you know? But uh, we'll talk more about that. It was a great opportunity to be with my family uh, in Arizona. It was my first funeral that I've done. and uh, then after that, we went. To, we got a few extra days to spend with family, and we're, we just want to communicate to the church how grateful we are to you guys for praying for us during that time, for keeping us in your prayers, for the grace. You know, it was it was a trip that had been planned for a long time, and then God had cut it short, and we had extra time, so we got to, we got extra time to spend with my family as they grieve, um, and then uh, my wife's family, and then before we went we went to our camp to spend time with the eight to twelve year olds. Yeah. At our camp, right. many of which uh, were there with us, Rob and, and, and Carla, among many others here, um, uh, who served uh, at our camp. And then we were at our camp, uh, which was going wonderfully. So I woke up Thursday morning with a pain in my neck, not metaphorically, but literally, and uh, found out that I had been uh, bit by some kind of poisonous spider, and I had a fever and I had to go to the hospital. So we, we had to leave our camp early. So it was a few weeks of leaving things early. And plans being changed. But we'll talk more about that later. We just mostly wanted to say thank you to you guys as you've kept us in your prayers over the last few weeks. We're grateful for what God did do amongst changing plans, but uh, we also know that um, God is sovereign. So we're grateful for that. In Genesis chapter 23, we'll pick up. It was interesting as I was preparing for this sermon and my grandmother died. uh, It was amazing how God worked this sermon into what we're talking about. Uh, Sarah, in this passage, is going to die, and she is the grandmother of Israel. In verse 1, 
of chapter 23, it says, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am a foreigner and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of tombs. None of us will refuse his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, If you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zahar, on my behalf, so he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people and replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of his city. No, my Lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. But again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land and he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will. I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, Listen to me, my lord. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and waited out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the border of the field was deeded to Abraham and his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. This is one of those chapters where you read in your quiet time because you're going through the book of Genesis and the chapter 23 comes after the chapter 22. I mean, you read it and you kind of go, what do I do with that? There's no explicit commands in here to follow, really, for us. Um, it doesn't seem super clear. Even we've got, it's kind of a, it seems unusual that we have a whole chapter kind of on deciding where someone's going to be buried. Um, but like any scripture in the Bible, if at first we don't understand what it means for us, we've got to keep digging until we find what it means for us. And uh, but like I said, I, as I read this passage, and I, you know, Sarah's grandson is uh, Israel, is Jacob, and so here we have Israel's grandmother die, uh, just as mine did a couple weeks ago, and it's interesting at being at a funeral, and this is really just about a man figuring out how to honor his wife, and Abraham was not the greatest husband in life. Uh, he often betrayed his wife. He often looked out only for himself. But here in death, he looks to find a, a, a place to honor his wife. And he pays over 100 pounds of silver for this land that could have been free. And so we see Abraham trying to do what's right by his wife. But we also see perhaps a, a guilty husband uh, who, did not, who was not the greatest husband in life. But as we think about funerals, and as I did my first funeral, it was, it was an incredible time, but it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. You know, when you're, I, I never done one before. And uh, when you're a pastor, you're a minister, everyone looks to you to have answers. Uh, whether those are spiritual answers, uh, sort of cosmic significance answers, or just 
Where do we put the flowers? Answers. Or when do we walk in? Or when do we leave? Or when do, how often do we pray? Those kinds of answers. But one of the things that's cool about funerals is you usually look to honor memories. You look at somebody's memories of what, what, was, what right, great memories do we have of this person uh, that we can remember about their life. Because funerals aren't really about the person who's passed. Nope. It's about the people that are there remembering that person and the memories they can have of that person. And I began to think about what kind of memories come up at a funeral. And then I began to think about what kind of things do we get focused on and get obsessed with that never get brought up at a funeral. You know, at a funeral, people don't talk about how wealthy a person was or how good they had it or how they made sure their kids had the best schools and all these things. They talk about how much a person loved, how much a person sacrificed. They talk about how much a person reminds them. And we talked about this at the funeral, but things that are beautiful in life, why is something beautiful? You know, you see something, it gives you chills, you watch a movie, you get teary-eyed. What, why is something beautiful? And something is beautiful in this life because it reminds us of something else. It reminds us of, of a truth. And so when you talk about somebody at a funeral, you're usually extolling or lifting up the things in them that remind you of somebody else. And so at this funeral for grandmother, we were talking about how she was, sel- she was selfless. She was always giving to her kids. Why would that be something that we care about? Because it reminds us of Jesus. We talked about how grandmother was always taking care of her kids. You know, she had six kids. Uh, we talked about how she was, it was very rarely about her and she was sewing dresses and she grew up on a farm and this whole life I got to learn about, which was pretty spectacular. You know, her and my grandfather were married 72 years. My grandmother had Alzheimer's and she forgot everything, everything. She forgot all of her kids at the end, but she never forgot grandfather. Grandfather took care of her 10 hours a day for the last two years. Uh, he would get up, help her go to the bathroom, helped her eat. Uh, she never forgot grandfather, uh, which is amazing. And uh, their marriage is something that's incredible, something to really be lifted up and extolled. But as I went through their marriage and as I talked through their marriage and talked through grandfather's love for grandmother and how she never forgot him, all these things that were so beautiful, and I thought, man, that's Jesus. And then I began to think about all the things that I can get obsessed with in the here and now, which is a lot of finances, it's a lot of comfortability. It's a lot of what people think about me. Uh, it's a lot of expectations. Things didn't go the way I wanted them to. You know, these last few weeks have been about uh, expectations. Things never went the way. Even my, uh, my antibiotics that I had got for my Black Widow bite, I, uh, we, we forgot them back in Pennsylvania. So uh, it's just everything's kind of this morning. I spilled my coffee on the rug and Jenny got a dress for a wedding. I spilled coffee on that. So... It's just been kind of, we're kind of like, where are we? Who, what is going on? Who are we? What's, what are we supposed to do? We're just very kind of lost, but it's been kind of cool because as God does that, and it's, it's funny because when we leave for a few weeks, like in the summer, people usually say, how was vacation? And we laugh. It's because it wasn't vacation. Um, you know, but what it was and why we love our camp so much. And I know our camp is hard and it's hot and bugs bite you and you, you almost die and stuff. But what's cool about our camp is that God strips away these things that we cling to. And then you begin to, you begin to see what life is really about and what really matters in life. You know, and at your funeral, and I know it's kind of a, maybe a corny thing to ask, but I would, I would want to ask you this morning, as you think about your funeral, what will people remember about you? What do we focus on in life? And I think about, I think about conversions. People, I think of things that matter to me in my life, people that helped me get baptized. 
You think about people that I help know the truth. Those are going to be things that at a, a, a funeral, and a, by the way, a funeral for somebody out of the faith is very different than someone in the faith. Someone in the faith, the funeral is not just sharing memories, it's looking forward. Yeah. And, and, and looking forward to, to these good things, these treasures, these persons that have built up in heaven. And it gives you incredible perspective. It gives you incredible perspective. But I wonder, even, even today as we spend time, and every decision can be so, and it's true, it gets so difficult. I think the older I get and the more responsibility I have, things get more difficult. When you're younger, I feel like it was very clear. Yeah. Okay, deny yourself, carry your cross. Yeah. You should do the right thing. As you get older, well, what's right? And, well, if they just knew my situation and things get really murky and gray and difficult and we just blend into our surroundings. And uh, it was great to be able to be at a funeral, to be able to take stock of, man, what really matters? Did I love people? Did I serve people? Did I, how much can I really be like Jesus? And Sarah struggled in life. Remember Sarah? I mean, there was, let's be frank, there's a lot of men who kind of get the spotlight in Genesis. Not a lot of women. Sarah gets the spotlight here. we got a whole chapter on haggling over where she's going to be buried. But Sarah gets the spotlight. But she had a rough life. Okay? She suffered from decades of infertility. Decades of, of feeling worthless. She, uh, she had a husband who constantly put his own cares before, her, before hers. Remember the whole mishap with Hagar? And like her maidservant and her friends and feeling betrayed and kicking her out because we got these unfulfilled promises that, that God had given her. You know, she battled in life. Um, but you know what's, what's really cool about this chapter? If you just read it and you thought, well, I didn't get much out of it. But you gotta, you got to read slower sometimes and you got to read it again sometimes. And if you notice, there's something, a sentence that appears in the very beginning and at the very end. And usually in Genesis, if they're repeating something, it's not because there's a scribal error or they've made a mistake. It's because they want you to remember it. So verse 1, Sarah lived to be 127. All right, she died at Kiriath Arba. That is Hebron. Thank you for the clarification. Now if we look back down in verse 19. After Abram buried his wife, Sarah in a cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is Hebron. You already said that. Well, why do they want us to remember Mamre? What happened at Mamre? Chapter 18, verse 1, you're the oaks of Mamre. God makes His promise to Sarah that you will bear a child. And through that child, my promises will be fulfilled. Why was it so important to bury Sarah at Mamre? And it wasn't because of anything she had done, perhaps. It was, it was where God made His promise. Right. And in a lot of ways, my sermon title is Promises Made, Promises Kept. Promises Made, Promises Kept. Because promises are important to us. And she's buried at a place where promises were made. Three promises to be exact. One had been fulfilled. She had her child, right? She had Isaac. But other promises had not yet been fulfilled. The promise for, the, for her descendants to be as numerous as the seashore, for, that, for the covenant between the family. The promise to be able, for their people to go into the land of Canaan. And I thought about that and I thought, man, that is really cool because yes, is it true that we need to be focused that at the end of service today you will have choices. Uh, and yes, like there's lots of choices to make. One choice will be to walk right down and go talk to a stranger and invite them out to church. One option will be to go to somebody in service who maybe looks a little down and ask them, how are you, how you doing? You look a little 
down. Anything I can pray for. One thing may be to, uh, to go make a phone call of somebody who's not here and say, hey, how you doing today? I know she weren't at church. One thing will be to fret and worry about something in your life that needs to get done, uh, an errand perhaps. Uh, one thing may be to go right to go one-on-one basketball and see who's the real champ of the church. And You know, there's all these things you could do. And yes, it's true that we need to make good, righteous decisions, but I think it's encouraging at the end of the day, it's not about those decisions that we make, it's about God's promises. If we rest in God's promises, the right decisions will be made. Because if we know God's promise that I'm with you always to the very end of the age, if we know God's promises that uh, seek first the kingdom and I'll give you food and clothes and other things you're worried about, if you seek first the kingdom, you'll be okay. If you rest in God's promises, you're able to go evangelize with a, with a healthy heart. You're able yeah. to go give to somebody, yeah. bring a meal to somebody yeah. today. Yeah. You're able to bring a meal to the Goulds because they just had a kid. You're able to do those things with a, with a light and a, and, a, and a happy heart because you're resting in God's promises. And so this passage is simply about, yes, she's an incredible woman. Yes, she's the grandmother of Israel. She's our grandmother in the faith. But it's not her deeds that made her incredible. In fact, she struggled in life. It's about her resting in God's promises. Uh, I want to close out with a passage in John 16. Hi, Drew. Good stuff. You know, I want to... Decisions really do matter. I... I think it was about this time exactly last year that I met a guy named Andrew Sweat. He's right here, Andrew Sweat. I think one of your first services was out here, right? It was my first. First service was here at Forest Hill Park, right? Just some guy, some normal guy who can really sing, who can really, he's got some pipes, you know. But I think about that was a year ago. And Andrew, he led a song. Did you notice he led a song this morning? And if we kind of just let, it, let things go by, we say, well, that just sort of happened. That didn't just happen, Right. right? It didn't just happen. A lot of it was God working in his life. It was God working in his heart. It was God working through people like you, right? Think about all of us began at some place. Some was our first time. God has arranged the people here. God has arranged the people here. Like our decisions do matter, but we can't make it about the decision. We've got to make it about God's promises because then we're not going to be rocked by rejection. But uh, I think a lot of us in this room, I think we're really good as a church. We're really great at loving within the confines of our comfortability. On, and I'm included in that. I'm not, it's not an us and you, I mean you. It's, I'm included in that. And uh, one of the things that's great about camp, that's great about the kids at camp, is they, they complain for the first day because it's outside their comfortability. And then they love it. They love it. They can't get them to leave. They're all crying at the end of the week. And you, they love it. And they... they they remember, too, some six-year-old, seven-year-old came up to me and said, last year, you didn't paint your nails like you were supposed to. And I was like, because we do different raids and pranks and have consequences and stuff. And I was like, I have no memory of that. But these kids, they love it. And they, some of the parents are like, my kids have been saying it all year, like, Mr. Drew's got to, you know, follow through on that consequence there. Like, they remember. They love it. But there's something in the microcosm of camp that's deny yourself and carry your cross. It's, it's, you know what, even though it's out of your comfort zone, even though there's no AC, even though you don't have these things that make you feel safe and good all the time, God will be okay. God's going to make you feel okay. He's going to make, he's going to deliver. He's going to give you what you need. And that's an incredible thing to learn. And Jesus reminds us of this in John 16. I'm goofing off. I'm not in John 16. Here we go. John 16, a great memory verse for when you're feeling down. I love it. John 16, 33. I have told you these things. So that in me you may have peace. In this world 
you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Love that passage. Because in it is our life, right? We want peace. And we, we wonder why we have trouble. God, why did you cut our week short at our camp? Why did you cut our India trip short that had been planned for so long? Why did, why did you allow these things to happen? Why is, are my kids not disciples yet? Why do we not have the finances to do the things I want to do? Why am I not married yet? Why am I you know, married to this person? Why am I trouble, right? In this, why do I? And we think, but Jesus says, no. We want you to have peace, but take heart. I've overcome, and our goal is to overcome. We will overcome the world if we simply rest in the promises made. I want to encourage you all. I almost printed it out, but I thought, nah, it's the digital age. They're going to lose it. You guys just going to do it on your own, okay? It takes about two and a half seconds. Just Google God's promises. I did this this morning. God's promises in Google. It's a uh, website, google.com. I don't know. But one of the first is BibleStudyTools.com. It's 50 verses of God's promises. And I read through it, and I was even just reading through it, I I was like, wow, there's peace that comes from that. And maybe pick one, maybe read all of them, maybe grab a few you really love, but let's rest in God's promises, church. Let's rest in those promises given. I will never leave you, never forsake you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's rest in the promises. I will never abandon you to the very end of the age. Because if we do, we won't just be um, you know, some, some really good-hearted folks in Charlottesville. Uh, what will be is actually a light to the world in a, in a city in the world that's really known. It's funny, traveling, people know Charlottesville for really one thing, which is sad. But it's for the neo-Nazi riots and things like that. That's why they, they go, Charlottesville, oh. Yeah. They don't think of UVA or as much as you'd like to think. Oh, they think of UVA. No, they don't think of that. They think of that. They think, they think of us for a different reason. And I thought, man, we've been put here. God is sovereign, right? He didn't make a mistake. He's put you here for a reason. And we can be a light to this area and help it be known for something else. Help it be known for restoration. Help it be known for reconciliation. Help it be known for unity. Help it be known uh, for compassion. Help it be known for service. We can all do that if we simply remember Sarah and her death. And where she was buried. And I want to encourage this church to remember promises made and remember promises kept. We're going to go ahead and say a prayer for the communion, for the bread and the juice. Uh, Hopefully, if you did not get one, we have plenty of them. uh, Can you raise your hand if you did not get a bread and juice? Guys, one over here. Uh, Carla will be over shortly. Um, And just make sure we keep the area clean. We can dispose of it. Either leave it on the table and dispose of it after, or when you're done, just make sure we throw it away. Uh, And we'll have a final song after that, and I want to encourage us to take an opportunity to show some love today, whether it's to somebody out here, who maybe who's just here trying to go to the water park and wasn't expecting to have their life interrupted about Jesus, or somebody in here who might need to talk or pray or or just talk about how they're doing or confess some sins. So either way, uh, let's be like Christ today, and let's rest in His promises, and let's pray. Uh, Dear Father God, we are grateful for who you are. We're grateful for being able to be here, God. Just hearing the water and the kids uh, play is so exciting and encouraging and soothing and thinking about uh, what you give us, God, and each other and being able to have these friendships that you give us here. Uh, God, thank you for the church in Charlottesville. God, we're so grateful for their prayers. I know my wife and I are grateful for 
for this church here, we're always thanking you uh, for them. God, in our prayers, God, that they think of us, they thought of us, they prayed for us, God. Um, we're thank- grateful for the flowers that they sent to my grandmother's funeral, God, that they, they did all on their own. And we're grateful for that, God. We're grateful for, uh, God, the serving. And at camp, God, that the seven or eight volunteers from this church, God, at our camp, uh, God, the, the best represented church there, God. And we're just grateful for the people here. God, for how they serve you, we're grateful for the, uh, the deposit of the Holy Spirit you've put in their hearts. God, we pray for everyone in, uh, here today, God, to be able to get the help they need to confess, to know that this life is not the culmination of pleasure. This life is not about sex. This life is not about money. This life is not about achieving popularity or status. God, this life is about serving you, loving you, and being a light, God, for the world to be able to see that we are here for a purpose. And that purpose uh, is to be your sons and daughters. That purpose is to be able to have the identity, to be your image bearers here on earth. God, we're grateful for that pleasure. We're grateful for the kids. God, what great kids you've given us. Uh, God, we pray for our kids. Take care of our kids. Protect our kids. Help every one of our kids, God, not to be lost to the world, but to be able to make the decision in short time or long to get baptized, to be a disciple. Uh, God, to not be pulled in or sucked in by the lies of the world. Uh, God, and the, the deceitfulness of wealth, uh, God, but to be able to live lives that, that extol and lift up your name. God, we're thankful above all else for Christ. And I pray that we can take uh, his body here and drink his blood as we remember his sacrifice for us and be grateful for it. In your son's name, amen.